Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome back to the On Growth podcast. Uh, my name is Josh Ledgard. With me, I have uh, Hannah Denson from Kickoff Labs as well. Hello. So today, I've seen a lot of podcasts do uh, a kind of like a holiday mailbag episode, and I thought it'd be fun to open it up to questions that customers have asked us or asked uh, it for the podcast. Um, but our twist on this holiday mailbag episode, which will be fun, I think, is we're going to ask the new general AI chat software that's been going all over online, ChatGPT, to come up with answers to uh, these marketing questions. And then we're kind of kind of grade the answers and add our own, <laughs> add our own fill to it. So um, as I explained to Hannah beforehand, I've played a little bit around with this um, uh, with my kids. And what we've learned is it can either be incredibly great or incredibly terrible. And there doesn't seem like there's too much in the middle most of the time when you ask it a question. Um, it's really bad at math, but thankfully nobody asked a math question today. Um, <laughs> but um, it's pretty good at kind of summarizing things um, that I've seen. Um, so that'll be the format of the episode. We're going to ask the AI a question. I'll read the question. Hannah's going to reply. And then, uh, and then I'll add a comment. And then we'll move on to the next question. So you ready for this, Hannah? Let's go. All right, let's play the groovy intro music on this new soundboard I got, which is so awesome. <laughs> There's so many other things I can do with that soundboard, but I won't do it. <laughs> oh, there are tr there's a transition noise we can do between questions that'll be fun. Uh, it's like a swooping noise it makes. Um, all right, so our first question here, uh, starting off strong, uh, we recently have had a customer do this, um, but I'm going to ask the question because it was based on a customer example. Should I give away a Tesla as a prize in my company's online contest if I want to grow my audience and increase sales? I'm going to paste that question in off of the board to the AI, and we'll read its response as it comes out. Oh, it's working. All right. <clears throat> Giving away a Tesla as a prize in an online contest can be an effective way to grow your audience and increase sales, but it's important to consider a few things before making a decision. First, consider the cost of the prize and how it aligns with your marketing budget. Giving away a Tesla can be a significant expense, and it's important to ensure that the cost is justified by a potential return on investment. Second, consider the demographics of your target audience and whether a Tesla would be relevant and appealing to the prize. If your target audience is not interested in luxury cars, a Tesla may not be the most effective prize to attract and retain their attention. Finally, consider the logistics of the contest and how you will handle the prize fulfillment. Giving away a Tesla requires a significant amount of planning coordination, and it's important to make sure the contest is well organized and you have a plan in place for delivering the prize to the winner. Overall, giving away a Tesla as a prize in an online contest can be an effective way to grow your audience and increase sales, but it's important to carefully consider the cost, target audience, and logistics before making a decision. What do you think? Well, that's better than uh, its math answers, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would give very similar advice. Um, obviously, a Tesla's an extreme thing for a small business, but if you had a car dealership or something like that and you were trying to get people into something like in that sense, um, when it says know your audience and if they're not into sports cars, they wouldn't want it. I don't know if that's true because I don't really care about sports cars, but if I want a Tesla, I'd be very happy. Um, <laughs> but considering your audience of um, trying to get like an authentic audience 
base so you're not pulling in strangers like me if you are somebody who sells sports cars tech like that I don't care about that stuff I'm not your ideal audience but you're attracting me into your contest so more so consider the audience for yourself if it's going to be beneficial for you as opposed to like for them in that sense when it's such a big prize yeah absolutely i i feel like this was a really good answer i was surprised yeah. i feel like it was reading some of our blog posts as uh, as training for it because it hit on the things that i would have wanted to hit on which is like do you have the money for it like <laughs> or do you think you'll be able to market it enough to get that re this is one they didn't talk about like you know how well you're going to market it but i feel like it's really disappointing to have a huge prize but if you don't market your contest in some way or have a good way to get the word out you might just be giving away the huge prize to one of a thousand people and your ROI is not going to be that great. So I would maybe like have some semblance of a good audience before giving away a huge prize. I know when we talked to uh, the uh, guy for the Haugen Racing team and they were giving away a huge prize, he did it to celebrate getting to 100,000 YouTube subscribers. So he knew he had an audience of people that he could justify giving away a giant prize to and he wouldn't have felt bad if one of those people had you know, won the prize, but his audience hadn't grown a ton at that point. Um, but if you were just didn't have much of an audience, that's the only thing I would add to the question. But otherwise, I think um, I think it did a great job with that question. So color me impressed with the AI. <laughs> now we can move on to the next question. Question number two is how much does the design of my landing page matter for my product launch? We talked about that much. No, we haven't. All right, we're getting the answer. The design of your landing page is important for a successful product launch because it helps you create a good first impression and can influence a user's decision to purchase. A well-designed landing page can effectively communicate the value of your product, persuade users to take action, and lead to increased conversions. Here's a few key elements to consider when designing your landing page. A headline. The headline should be clear, concise, and communicate the value of their product and what makes it unique. Images and videos. Use high-quality images and or videos to showcase your product and its features. Product details. Provide detailed information about your product, including features, benefits, and pricing. Call to action. Make it easy for users to know what the next step is with a clear buy now or sign up button. Uh, trust signals. Number five. Include elements that build trust, such as testimonials, money-back guarantees, and security badges. Paying attention to these elements, you can create a landing page that effectively communicates the value of your product and persuade users to take action. Hannah, your take. That was, that was really good. I'm shocked. Actually, even mentioning the security badges, I wouldn't even think to give that advice, but that is so helpful. Um, we do have the article on um, photos to add, to add high quality mm -hmm. photos and things like that. Um, but everything else, having that, that, that importance of like your, this is what people are going to see right up front when they, when they go to your landing page, when they're signing up, they want it to look authentic. They don't want it to, if you have all kinds of distractions on this page or it's just poorly designed, sometimes it looks like a scam. I mean, it's really easy to get scammed online. And so the more professional and simple it is, the easier it is for people to understand as well as for them to trust you. So that, that was really good advice. Yeah, I was, again, surprised. I didn't like it. I was worried where it was going because it started out saying the design of your landing page is really important. And the reality is I've seen a lot of great product launch 
pages go up that are kind of like a logo and a statement by the by the creator and then like an explanation of what the product is that aren't really what you would call designed they're i mean they're clean and simple looking but they but in the end they touch on all the things the ai said to have they have a headline there's usually an image or video and there's some details in the description and so i think its answer when you when you factor in what it's asking you to include is really was a really good answer i just i think i see people too often get caught up in like design meaning like the placement of this like icon or having this typography or having this specific thing and it didn't talk about that because those are the things that um, people often get worried about when they're designing uh, when they're designing a landing page especially for a product launch about thinking it has to look perfect and i think the answer is great because it covers and says like no the important things are having a great headline if you use an image high quality image having some product details and a really clear call to action and as you called out the trust signals so again i'm going to say this is uh this is a great summary of the things to include uh on the design of a landing page yeah is it a good idea to require people to pay one dollar in order to be eligible for prizes as part of a contest or product launch all right well the answer here i'm interested to see if it's going to have a thought like a like patreon how the the paywall changes things yeah i'm curious to see if it talks about any of the legal ramifications of this um all right we're getting our answer charging a fee to enter a contest or sweepstakes or product launch can be a controversial practice and it's important to consider the potential risks and benefits before making a decision on one hand, charging a small fee to enter a contest may help deter people who are not truly interested in your product from entering, uh, potentially increasing the chances of winning for those who are generally interested. It may also help offset the cost of prizes and other expenses associated with running the contest. On the other hand, requiring a fee to enter a contest may desert, deter some potential entrants and may not be in line with local laws and regulations. Some countries have laws that prohibit charging a fee to enter a contest. It's important to familiarize yourself with these laws before implementing a fee. Additionally, requiring a fee may be perceived as unfair or unethical to some people, who, which could damage your brand reputation. In general, it's a good idea to consider the potential risks and benefits of requiring the fee to enter a contest before making a decision. If you decide to charge a fee, it's important to be transparent about the reasons for the fee and clearly communicate the terms and conditions of the contest. Anna? Okay, yeah, so and they mentioned the legality and we can we can upload um, some of those documents to this podcast too. Um, <laughs> curious about that stuff. Um, but I don't think that the paywall is a great idea um, for just your gathering leads and growth and if usually your goal is an email list, you know that's not really the point. Um, if money is a thing, we do, of course, have where we, I mean, directly integrate with Shopify and other um, POS systems. So if if the goal is to gather more leads and more sales, then linking that and making that just a bonus is beneficial, in my opinion. But honestly, yeah, for the linking it to the sale instead of just like a, yeah, a contest. Yeah. yeah, I think when you want people to enroll in your contest, you're trying to bring awareness more so. And I know that you know, you feel like a paywall will, will stop bots and stop people who aren't interested in your contest. But at the same time, we have good anti-fraud protection and, and you can siphon those people out, you know, while you're going through it. So I would say that it's a risky decision to put any kind of paywall. Yeah. I think this is, I think this is one that uh, it did, the answer did not nail as much as the others. I'm glad it mentioned the, the legal thing because 
is absolutely the case that some, uh, you know, some countries, some states have different laws that if you, uh, if, whether you can require the purchase or whether it can even be optional to purchase. And we've got some guides um, that, as Hannah said, we'll link to and, and explain that. Um, but it's one of its reasons was that it may help you offset the cost of the prize. And boy, I'm not sure, like, when the question was phrased as a dollar, I'm not sure how much you're going to offset of like big prizes or the cost of running a contest with just asking for a dollar, especially considering um, the people you'll lose in contests that aren't willing to enter because it just seems weird to have to go enter a credit card or, you know, payment information to pay a dollar. Like it would really turn me off from entering a contest or participating in a launch. It feels a little scammy. I mean, even if it's a company that you trust, you see it and you're kind of like, okay, well, now you have my credit card information. And for $1, it's not really, that doesn't really add up. It would almost make more sense for it to be a $30 entry fee or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, if you, if you pre-order the purchase, you're, you're eligible, like you can get more entries in the contest mm -hmm. for making a full pre-order, but in which case you're making a full purchase and you're doing it as optional. So you give people the chance to enter without it. But then maybe you say like, hey, you can still pre-order on the thank you page as one of the actions. And if you pre-order, we'll give you five, 10, whatever extra entries for doing the pre-order of the product. And I think that would be a better way to go about it. That's a lot more friendly to everyone else that might just be looking at the contest and doesn't like to participate in pre-orders because they've ordered things on Kickstarter that haven't showed up or whatnot. <laughs> Our next question, how long should I run my online giveaway contest before giving away the grand prize? I'm really curious. There's, there's all sorts of different answers online when you search for this question. So we'll see how the AI summarized all those answers. The question isn't super general. So. Yeah. I think it's really hedging. The length of your online giveaway contest will depend on your goals, target audience, and complexity of the contest. Here's a few factors to consider in terms of length of the contest. Your goals. Consider what you hope to achieve in the contest. If you're looking to generate a large number of entries or build buzz around a new product, you may want to run the contest for a longer period of time. If you're trying to drive specific actions, such as signing up for a newsletter or making a purchase, you may want to run it for a shorter period of time. Consider the target audience, the demographics of your target audience and how much time they will have to participate in the contest. If your target audience is busy and has a lot of commitments, doesn't everybody have commitments? That, sorry, that's just me. Uh, you may want to run the contest for a shorter period of time to ensure that they have an opportunity to participate. Complexity. Consider the complexity of the contest and whether it requires a significant amount of effort to participate. If the contest is simple and quick to enter, you may be able to run for a shorter period of time. The contest requires more effort, such as creating a video, completing a survey, you may want to run it for a longer period of time to give people the opportunity to participate. Overall, the length of your giveaway contest should be based on your goals, target audience, and complexity of the contest. It's a good idea to carefully consider all these things and determine the length of the contest um, and ensure it's successful. Hannah? Yeah, I think it was overwhelmed. I didn't really know how to answer this. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's what I thought too. Yeah, so you're, yeah, I mean, you are going to pay attention to the complexity of your contest. Um, but I think you know, there's there's kind of a general speaking answer. Um, you know, it does depend on your, your brand and what you're putting out. And if you have a Kickstarter that you're running and deadlines and things like that. But if you're doing something like a new launch, a new release, you want to get your maximum amount of people, but you don't want to do too much. If you, if you overdo it, then people are going to forget about your contest entirely. So, I mean, a good rule of thumb is that three to four week range, in my opinion. Um, 
because that gets enough time that that first two weeks to gain traction and then for those people to have the opportunity to do the referrals if that's what's important to you and then mm -hmm. those referrals have the option to sign up and maybe get their referrals and then it gets to be like that go time for them they have a week left and you can send out all of those reminders and and have that yep. time to you know build your email list but actually build a relationship with it too because i mean a, a weekend contest is awesome you can absolutely do that as well but if you're mm -hmm. in the point of waitlist style or really, really growing your, your business, then you want to have those warm leads and the conversation time too. Yeah. And, and the longer you run a contest or even a product launch, like the more you want to continue to engage the audience. So you'd almost be best off running like mini contests in your contest. So like when we've done it in a month long, every week we were giving away a mug as part of a month long contest to keep like as a reason to email everyone and as a reason to like keep people interested and excited about like, you know, winning something small. So you can absolutely do that. I thought it's argument about um, complexity um, a little bit, a little bit hard because like, boy, I really like, I'm struggling to think of the ideal contest where it's going to take people a ton of time to enter. I get if you're asking people to like record a video, you know, but like, you shouldn't be asking people to complete a survey that's like a two hour survey, you know, for your contest, it should be still a really quick survey or a really quick, like video review or something you want to get out of out of your audience. But I wouldn't make it so demanding where it's like, okay, this is going to take you like two to five hours of your time, because most prizes are not going to be worth it to people to do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah, most of the uh, contests that I've seen, like creative contests that are very like upload your photos, upload your videos, things like that. Um, the photo ones, they, they're shorter because they're like, you should already have this, you know, good luck. Mm -hmm. um, and then the video ones, because they're they're kind of testing your creativity, it's almost better to make the time still the same as anybody else because that's that fair, you know, strike of time. You've got one month, go get it done kind of thing for your creative outlet. And then also making people wait like three months to find out who totally wins is um, going to absolutely lose everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. Um, our next question. Um, I'd say, I say now we're two for two, two and two. Like I'm giving it kudos on two answers and down thumbs down on two answers here so far. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's see what it does on the next question, which is, should I fake subscribers to my waitlist to make it look more popular in order for people to feel more comfortable promoting it? Mm. So I guess that means like faking the count of the subscriber, like showing like, you know, a million people signed up, you know, you should too. Um, let's see what the AI believes about this fakery. I've asked it ethical questions in the past, and sometimes it just abstains from answering the ethical questions and says uh, something like, I'm, I'm a computer, like I'm not here to make ethical questions, but you should be a good person. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, it's a matter of ethics. I don't know if the, the AI can figure that out. All right, it leaned on the side of being ethical. Faking subscribers to your waitlist is generally not a good idea for several reasons. First, faking subscribers can be unethical and may damage your reputation. If people find out you have fake subscribers, you may lose trust in your brand and be less likely to promote your product or service. Second, faking subscribers will not ultimately lead to increased sales or success. While a large waitlist may seem impressive, it's ultimately the quality of your product or service that determines whether people actually use it or recommend signing up to others. Instead of faking subscribers, there's more ethical and effective ways uh, to build and generate engaged waitlists. Some strategies include offering incentives for people to sign up, such as early access or discount, and promoting the waitlist through your marketing channels. Overall, it's important to be transparent and honest in your marketing efforts and to 
focus on building a genuine engaged audience rather than trying to uh, trying to fake popularity. Hannah? That was, that was fair. Um, it also can deter people. I mean, they see a thousand people, a million people, whoever have signed up for this. They don't think that they have a chance. Um, mm-hmm. So aside from the ethics behind it, that's also just not necessarily a great way. I know a lot of people think that, you know, fake it till you make it with things like that. Um, that's like influencers who, who buy those followers. Once somebody realizes that they've bought those followers, then their influence platform doesn't really matter anymore. So uh, my, my take is I liked the answer that it focused on the ethics. When people ask me this question, I because ge- our waitlist templates generally do have a field for like, you know, total waitlist members, or it'll tell you where you are in the waitlist when you sign up. And I get that some people are concerned, like, oh, it's going to make me look really small time if it just for the first, you know, 100,000, 10,000, whatever their number is, everybody has a different opinion of what makes them look small. Um, but I just thought like, well, what I would do is just take that number off. Like, you don't have to show it to people to get them to share and promote it right away. You can just say you'll get earlier access with more people you share. You can start out that way until you get to 100 a thousand subscribers. And then if you want to add the number, cause you think the number is beneficial because people feel like they're part of something, you can always add the number back uh, to the wait list. We do have the feature in kickoff labs that will let you preset a number. Um, but I always tell people like just to consider like the honest approach that, you know, the number should really be used if you've got a number of people, maybe in another platform that just you haven't added to the contest this way. Um, but not to use it um, to be like, oh, I've got 10,000 subscribers, you know, to my product wait list. Cause like I said, like if somebody finds out, it really is just like a damaging thing. Like if they find out you weren't able to launch cause you never got more than a hundred subscribers. And my last thing is I like to tell people like, I think there's a benefit in being small. Like I think people, um, give, uh, more leeway to small businesses and small products. And so I think the whole idea of like faking it to you make it can actually hurt some new businesses and, and, and people starting out and launching products. I think it's better. The case studies we've had and the people we've had on through building waitlist, they always tend to be really genuine people who are explaining like where they're at in the process and what their and where, and what their product is, is for and, you know, how big their team is. Like they're always really genuine about it. And that seems to add to their success or like encourage people to join them because they feel like it's more personal than like, entering a contest from Nabisco or something. <laughs> yeah. And, and the whole point of your contest is for organic growth anyway. That's what you're trying to yeah. obtain. So if you're saying you have all this crazy growth, people are less likely to be like, oh, they need our support. They're like, well, they've got you know, 2 million supporters. Who who cares? I can't, <laughs> I can't help this, this cause. All right. We've got two questions to end. I'm not sure if we'll spend time on both of the questions, but we've got... Uh, both of these questions, oh, transition time. <laughs> to the next question. Um, the two questions at the end are both kind of more opinion questions, I would say, than, um, than actual, uh, like, there's a good answer and a bad answer. So I'm curious to see what it does on the first opinion question, which is, which ad platform is best for promoting a new contest or product launch? I don't think there's a right answer to this question. Mm-mm. It's really thinking about this one. Like a huge list. Yeah. 
It does start that way. It says there are several ad platforms that can be effective for promoting a contest or a new product launch. The best platform you would determine your goals, audience, and budget. I feel like it reused the sentence from earlier. <laughs> Here are a few popular platforms to consider. Google Ads, and then it describes Google Ads. I won't read the whole description. Um, it can be effective for reaching a large and targeted audience and driving traffic to your website. Facebook Ads, it can be effective for reaching a large and targeted audience and promoting events and contests. Interesting differentiation there. Instagram Ads can be effective for promoting visual content such as products and contests and reaching a younger audience. Pinterest ads um, can be effective for promoting visual content such as product or contests and for reaching a female audience. Overall, the best ad platform to consider best in your specific goals, audience, and budget, it's a good idea to consider a few different platforms and test which one uh, works best for your needs. Hannah, what do you, what do you think? So just gave ad ad platforms. It's interesting. Um, <laughs> I think it just cho chose to list all the ad platforms and it tried to do a little bit to explain like what it thinks each one is best at. So like yeah. for Google, it said driving traffic to your website. For Facebook, it said promoting events and contests. For Instagram, it said contests and a younger audience. And for Pinterest, it said contests and a female audience. Women. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, as, a, as a woman who does not Pinterest, I... I don't, I, I can't say anything on that one. Um, but I mean, those are beneficial platforms to use for your advertising and marketing. Um, something that we've worked on a lot lately and you have put out a lot lately, especially, um, all of our new integrations with other platforms that help with lead management and client software and things like that. Um, I feel like finding those that fit in with you also are really important. Um, and of course, we have that whole list on our Twitter and the articles that we've put out. Um, but I think it's a combination of finding what works best for your platform. So that really would be hard to answer as a person or AI. Um, it just depends on on what you're selling and how you plan to market it, what you how you want to put it out, and how much you want to spend too. Yeah, I I'm gonna say um, I'm. I'm going to say, I think if I was talking about a contest or a product launch, um, I think advertising is probably not the best way to go unless you're somebody that is like an ad expert and you consider it like your marketing strength. Um, at least in my experience with companies, we've seen a lot of people have success with Facebook ads. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's because um, they can get really targeted with a smaller budget. So they can do things like just target these five members of these five Facebook groups or things like it. And they end up doing pretty well with a micro-targeting. On Google, it tends to be really competitive. So until you have a product people can buy, the feedback we've gotten from customers is that it can be really expensive if it's a product launch. And Google also doesn't like to advertise contests. So you'll run into issues advertising contests on Google if it's a contest. And for the new product launch, like I said, I think it's just going to be too expensive for most people. Um, Instagram, similar to Facebook, like because they are the same ad platform at this point, um, just the targeting, people seem to have some success with it um, if they're pretty good with a limited budget. But again, I wouldn't do it as much for a contest as I would for like a paid eventually what could be a paid product mm -hmm. um, that you'll get people to buy. Um, and then I can't comment on Pinterest, but we haven't tried Pinterest ads. Um, I know I've had a couple of customers we've talked to that said they've had success on Pinterest. 
Um, but you know, I don't know how true the stereotype is about the female audience. I don't know how like true that is in reality. I, I can't give advice on that. I think it, the answer just sort of like gave you like, here's some platforms to consider um, for the answer, which is, it was a very generic question because um, it said contest or product launch. Um, but that's my more specific is I'd say not for a contest, probably any of them to spend too much money. And for a product launch, I would, I've seen the most success with the Facebook ads for driving signups for new product launches and Google, the feedback is it's expensive. Yeah. Um, I don't even think so Google got, could do anything in, in a month. You know, I don't think yeah, it pays for two, three weeks. Yeah. It's really hard to, and you have to spend a lot of money to get the signal back on Google ads too. Like, I feel like we weren't seeing much, like in terms of things we could learn from until we were spending like $50 a day on, on Google ads, which depending on the size of your company starts to become a huge uh, investment for the length of the campaign. Mm -hmm. All right, the last question uh, that we have time for today. Um, and again, this is another opinion question. Um, and this is one that somebody sent in through support recently. Is SMS, email, or social media marketing better for engagement with my audience? Um, I don't know if it meant over a product launch or contest, um, but I think the question we'll have an answer is just this general engagement question. So uh, which of these three tools for talking with people and having conversations best for your audience? I, I, it's going to hedge his answer again. Mm -hmm. Yep. The most effective channel for engaging with your audience will depend on your target audience, the type of content you're sharing, and overall marketing goals. Here's a few things to consider in deciding what channel to use. Target audience. Consider the demographics of your target audience, which the channels are most likely to use. A younger audience might be more active in social media, while an older audience may prefer email type of content. Consider the type of content you're sharing, the channels most appropriate for visual content might be more effective in social media. and with more detailed, informative content may be better suited for email. Marketing goals. Consider the overall marketing goals, which channel is most likely to help you achieve them. For example, if you're trying to drive traffic to your website, social media or email may be more effective than SMS. Overall, it's good to consider the demographics and target audience, the type of content you're sharing, and the marketing goals in deciding a channel. It may be beneficial to use a combination of channels to reach a wider audience. Hannah, your take. I think that email, email is not dead. I think a lot of people have thought it is. Um, I think that email is the most beneficial you can do because you're keeping an email list and you can directly keep in contact with people. However, if you have a very social-based platform, you're an influencer, you sell on Instagram, you have an Instagram marketplace or a Facebook marketplace or something like that, I do think the social media advertising is great. Um, with us, that would look like actions and people coming in and um, responding to that. Um, and then SMS, I, I think it's good because it's, you know, directly to your phone. I think that's a fun additive. I don't think that SMS is going to be the number one way of communication um, because a lot of audiences is going to see that and be like, I can ignore this right now. At least with email, they're going through collectively looking at everything and deciding what to respond to. And email can direct you, a lot easier, a lot safer through links. Yeah, 
I thought it had some good points and some terrible points in this answer. <laughs> um, it definitely has read a lot of the articles about the death of email, the way it answered the first thing about the mm -hmm. younger audience, maybe more active on social media. Because I don't feel like we see that in the numbers. Like it seems like it's not in the types of contests. It seems like the email engagement is pretty consistent across the type of contests. And the bigger factor is just, you know, the deliverability of your email and the email service rather than the age of the audience yeah. um, going across. But you also have deliverability concerns on social media, like just because if we have a thousand fans on Facebook and I post something, it doesn't mean it puts it in front of all thousand people the next time they log in. In fact, only, you know, you'll see when you post something out of the business, it'll say like, you know, reach 25 people. And you're like, but I have a thousand fans. Mm -hmm. And then there's a button that says pay to reach more people. <laughs> so. So it doesn't necessarily like it's not a it's not a it's not a panacea that the social media has as a replacement. I yeah. agree with your comment about the SMS being a um, an add on um, is a great way. Like some people might just prefer like quick messages as long as you're not like sending a ton like um, like you're not a political campaign sending out thirty in a day um, messages asking for donations. Um, <laughs> I think that that can be effective. I think what's important as you get larger as a company is to realize that I think everybody has a different communication preference and to give your audience those preferences in terms of like you might publish to multiple places in case they want to reach you multiple yeah. ways. And maybe eventually when you get large enough saying like, you know, you know, tell us how you'd like us to reach. Do you want us to text and email? Do you just want to text? Do you just want to follow us online? And something you can do while you're launching a product with Kickoff Labs with our actions that you can take, have people during a product launch is you could put an action for the social networks, put an action for, you know, obviously it'll be subscribed to email and an action for adding your phone number. And then what you'll get out of that at the end, you'll see like, oh, if uh, you know, 10,000 people signed up and, and about half of them entered their phone number, um, that tells you you might have a very receptive audience for SMS messaging as a, as a marketing medium. Whereas if not many did, but like a whole bunch of them went to LinkedIn, that would be a great way to do it. Um, yeah. That'd be, you know, something to know. Yeah. That's somewhere where like your product testing comes in, your, your audience testing, figuring out where they are. Um, but also ensuring that your communication is not ruining their life, <laughs> like keeping up with them. They want, if they enter, they want to be updated. They want to be a part of the, the contest, the company. They want to know what's going on. They don't want three texts a day, three emails a day and to see mm -hmm. all their social platforms. So it is like a fine balance of finding where they're at. Um, I did do a fun, <laughs> it's not fun for me, but a social experiment, I guess, um, with my own personal things I had signed up. I win contests all the time. I sign up for virtual contests. I do SMS entering. I do the, you know, you get 20% off when you sign up for a company. Um, mm -hmm. So I started doing that um, around Black Friday and I've always done that. And I've noticed I get a lot of messages in a day. So I thought if I don't look at my messages for the holiday season, how many am I going to have? I have currently 668, can you really see it? 668 oh, wow. messages. Um, <laughs> that kind of thing. They're not from friends and family. It's just marketing. Um, and it's just the same company sending the same. I maybe signed up for 10 different companies, maybe 20, um, if it's been over a year. Uh, but I just decided not wow. to do any of them and add it up and see how terrible it is. Um, but with email, at least when you're getting that many, you have the, you can, you can siphon through them. You can go through and do whatever. Yep coming directly to your text messages and just kind of 
invading you all day. It's it's partly like it's nice to get one, you know, a week where you're like, oh, that's great. They're having a sale. Yeah. They're picking a winner. I want to see that. I will open those ones. But if it is just constantly updating because they're like, I can get a hold of my audience through text because they're always on the phones. No one wants that. And that's something to think about when you're, you know, keeping that healthy communication balance. Yeah. I think that's a great note to close on keeping that communication balance. This was a lot of fun uh, going through and asking the AI questions and I, I have a feeling I will want to do this again sometime because <laughs> I enjoy judging other people's answers better than I enjoy answering the questions. 100%. And we're not hurting anyone's feelings when we do it this way. <laughs> Until the robots take over. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll have something to worry about. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.